Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada. Middle of winter, lots of snow on the ground. It's quite pretty out there. Sun's been shining today too. So we're here with The Yacking Show, episode number 156. And this is the show that awakens you to new perspectives for the changing world we find ourselves in. And if you're following the news in Canada, it's changing dramatically and rapidly every day. It's exciting times, history in the making. Whatever side of the fence you're on, it's historic and will be. So I always ask Kathleen, my co-host, to introduce our guest because she does it a lot better than I do. And I'm going to welcome her in a moment. And in that welcome, I'm going to tell you, our audience, she wears another hat. And that is... She is an expert in helping you solve your IT needs. So if you're in developing and you're looking for talent or if you're looking for some sort of solutions involving IT professionals, give Kathleen a ring or a call. Her links are in the description for the show. So that's enough from me. Kathleen, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you for that intro. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we have another special guest with us today. And I'm so excited to have her on the show. She is Diane Geese. Hello, Diane. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hello, Kathleen and Peter. Thank you so, Hi, so much for having me. I am humbled and honored. What the two of you do is truly such a, a, a great thing for the community. And I am honored and blessed to be here. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you for those thank kind so words much. and welcome. Yes. Now, Diane, How are you, Kathleen? You are a facilitator, a coach, and as, as well as an international best-selling author who specializes in personal development training. I had the privilege of hearing you speak a few years ago, and so much has happened since then, and we'll get to that in a moment. But first, for our audience, can you give us a little bit about your background and what led you into this world of coaching? Wow. That, thank you for the introduction. That sounds huge. I, when I hear it, I'm like, it wow. Huge. That sounds very impressive. I don't know. <laughs> Which is impressive. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, actually, so honestly, I feel like I, I lead kind of a, a simple life, a very, I don't know, authentic life perhaps. But uh, so my career actually, I, I have a background in psychology. So it's kind of where I started 30 some odd years ago, uh, my career working uh, with at-risk youth. And I always knew um, that I just, I wanted to make a difference. And, and so I was blessed to, to kind of start off at a very young age working with these at-risk youth and uh, quite enjoyed my, my career. I ended up having, uh, you know, we had our first son and he was born critically ill. So unfortunately I had to leave my career. It was a no-brainer. I stayed home with him. We didn't, we weren't sure kind of how long we were going to have him. And so, uh, and so I, I ended up staying home and, and being a stay-at-home mom. And in the meantime, kind of was still contracting out and keeping my, you know, my feet wet and, and doing some coaching here and there and some speaking here and there, uh, but essentially, you know, full-time mom. And so uh, once my, my children uh, grew up, they were like, mom, you need to get out and go do something. And I said, what do you mean that this is what I do? This is the, what do you mean? What do I do? And so, you know, midlife crisis. And I went back to school. I decided that, you know, I need to try something different because I'm all about change. And so I kind of got into the medical field. So I had this kind of balance of still contracting out and doing some public speaking and coaching, 
but then kind of went to work in the hospital setting because I wanted to give back as well. My son spent so much time in the hospital and kind of that, that's how that unraveled. And so before I knew it, I was having kind of juggling these careers and became uh, an instructor. And then I started uh, teaching the medical lab program. So then I got a taste of both and I could just make a difference in students' lives. And so that's kind of how uh, my career has been. It's been very eclectic and I'm out there and I, I'll take anything that comes my way and, and I'm grateful for it. So that's kind of who I am. Wow, that's that that's interesting. <laughs> I, I I've got to throw in something there that quite often young people say, I don't know what I want to do, and this is this and next thing. And when I hear like your story and Kathleen's and mine and so many people in midlife, when they look back, they say, I, I'm not doing anything like I thought I was gonna do, or I trained for, or I wanted. Some do, some do. I would say more more though goes through all sorts of twists and turns before they find a path or a destination that they really enjoy and yes. so this is what I say to young people don't worry just do something positive because the more, the more you experience the more you'll find out what you don't like and what you do like so sorry I went off on a little bit of a tangent there but yes. I I think what you said is is important brings that home so um what I'm going to ask you is it, it, as Kathleen said it's a while back since we heard you speak and I was impressed then. And you had an incredible story to tell. And you've just mentioned it very briefly. But a lot more has happened to you since then. And you've had you know, your own major health crisis and all sorts of other things. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, I think I've always said, I think we all have a story. Uh, and I don't think I'm any different than anybody else. I, I think that we all have different stories that I feel that... Um, can change lives. I've always mm -hmm. felt that. I feel that if you, if you're bold enough to share your story, there's going to be that one person out there, probably more, but that one person that says, thank you so much for sharing your story. I thought I was alone. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of where I dedicated my life. When okay. I started sharing my story of past traumas in my life, everything from having a son that was born that we weren't sure if he's going to live. We had a, a suicide in the family. We've had other traumas that I realized that you know, if I share it and turn it for the good, there's going to be someone out there that's going to say thank you. And to me, that's worth everything. And so that's kind of what I had done is shared my story and uh, on stage in corporations, I've gone to high schools and talked to students, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching and say to them, you know, nothing happens to you. It happens for you is what I feel. Mm -hmm. And people will be like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like, why does this always happen to me? And I said, well, because you haven't learned the lesson. And it's a hard message to hear, but it's true mm -hmm. for me. And so I say that if it continues to happen, it means that you haven't embraced it and you haven't allowed it to change the trajectory of your life. And so that's kind of been my message all along. And so around 2018, uh, I, I started not feeling well, and I'm generally a very healthy person. I figured it was just, I'm on the go. I'm traveling with work. I'm coaching. I'm, I've got my kids. I've got this work and then the hospital and I'm just everywhere. And I felt that I was probably just burnt out or maybe just eating too much gluten. I don't know, whatever. So I felt that, you know, I'll just, I'm fine. I'm good. Uh, and we all know, you know, you try to be a superhero and we think that we're invincible and we're just going to keep plowing through. January 2019, um, I was ambulanced into the hospital and I said to them, I think I'm actually going to die. There's something wow. that's happened. And I know I can be a little dramatic, but honestly, I think I'm going to die. And they checked me out and said, I said, I think something 
bursted in my abdomen. They did several tests and basically said, we don't see anything. Uh, we do see that there might be an abscess in your abdomen. So we're going to give you some antibiotics. I said, whatever you do, <laughs> uh, just, yeah, let, get, make the pain go away. So about a week later, I, I was sent home with antibiotics and I kind of got better. And a couple weeks later, ambulanced back in and same thing. I said, no, seriously, I think this time I'm going to die. <laughs> and so same thing, series of tests. Long story short, for a span of about four months, they I went through about eight CT scans, two MRIs, two abdominal drains, um, ultrasounds, x-rays. And finally in May of 2019, I was rushed in one final time and they sent me into emergency surgery where they took out 12 inches of my colon. And I came out with a colostomy bag and they said, um, we're sorry to tell you, but you have stage four colon cancer. So you can imagine, uh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, and I remember sitting there and fear had paralyzed me and, and I said, you know, I, I don't know much about cancer and stage four, but I, I'm pretty sure stage four is like the end one. Lost one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's nowhere else to go. And so I remember thinking, I'm going to die. I, and I have kids and I, 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 oh my God. And I was consumed with fear, paralyzed with fear. And so I remember sitting in my hospital bed and fear, I had developed this new relationship with fear. Fear was my bully. Fear was the one that was going to tell me what was going to happen to me, that I was going to die. Fear said to me, you know, you never were enough. We told you you weren't enough. And there you go. And now it's over and you're done and there's nothing you can do. And fear became the voice in my head and governed my every move, my every thought. Uh, I was paralyzed. And I remember sitting in the hospital room. This is several weeks I was there because I just wasn't getting better. And I remember watching one of my videos. I was desperate. I'm like, I, I think I need to listen to one of my videos. I need some <laughs> advice. And I remember coming across the part that I said, nothing happens to you. It happens for you. And that was the moment that my relationship with fear changed. Mm. And this is uh, the preface to my kind of what I'm doing. And it's right. the journey of overcoming fear and turning fear into faith and no longer allowing fear to be my bully. But to allow it, if it wants to whisper in my ear, but it doesn't control my life. And that's kind of opened up. It's changed the whole trajectory of my life. It's changed how I view things and and, am that much more passionate to connect with people because there's so many people out there right now that are suffering with fear. They don't have to be suffering Mm -hmm. with a disease or cancer or, you know, anything. Fear is governing our world right Mm -hmm. now. Absolutely. And so it doesn't matter to what degree. Fear is fear. If fear is your bully, then we need to talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because um, there was, there is likely, I'm sure maybe there is something worse, but I mean, I'm thinking stage four cancer. That's, you know, pretty, pretty scary. (laughs) Oh, yes. Right. So anyway, so I'm here today and I'm grateful and humbled. And uh, I, I just, my, my goal is to reach out to as many people as I can, share my story and, uh, and hopefully see some, some people come out of this. So. Excellent. Even, Very good. You've even gone so far to say that cancer has actually saved your life. And that propelled you to write 
or you're in the process actually of writing a second book, but this time it's a workbook. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, um, it's in the very early stages ish. Uh, I, I mean, I've been thinking about it for for years and um, people will always say, oh, you need to write your own book. The, the book that I was a part of was an anthology. So I was I was a co-author. So I can't take all the credit, but I am blessed to have been a part of it. Um, but this one. Um, yeah, it, it's it's my journey to overcoming fear, how cancer saved my life. And often people will be like, what, what do you mean? And so it's quite profound. And if I can help anybody to see how they too can take something that can be so tragic and turn it around and change lives just by sharing, Mm -hmm. then my life is complete. But yes, this book, uh, I've been kind of, it's been in the works. Um, it's, it's been documenting my journey. And so it's kind of, you know, it came to me not long ago that I remember sitting in chemotherapy and looking around and you're hooked up for hours on end and you're dwindling down slowly, you know, and, um, and I'm watching people and, and they're doing the same. They, they're, some people don't even have people with them and they're alone and they're reading. And I thought, wouldn't it be fabulous to have a book that shares my journey and my inspirational kind of sayings but then having them you know have this piece where they can journal and and allow them to to kind of journal what they're going through how they're feeling what's where that's coming from but in terms of answering your question how did it change my life uh drastically uh or, or, or save my life um so throughout my years you know as we struggle and and trying to find ourselves and who we are you know one of the things that i found right across the board anybody that i ever talked to you'll always hear people say i just don't feel like i'm enough I don't feel like I'm enough for my work or, or for my spouse or my kids or my partner, whoever. I'm not enough for me. And that's kind of been the theme for my, my life. I've never really felt like I was enough. So I would always just give, 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 because the more you give, the more you can maybe feel like you're enough and people feel good and you're like, oh, okay. But there's never, you can never fill that cup. If you don't really know what enough means and you're never going to fill it. So that was kind of my one thing. The other thing that I'd always said to myself is, oh God, I need more time. Like I would be on my feet and running because I'm trying to be enough, but I would never have enough time. And I would always go, I just need some more time. And I'd get these kind of, you know, when you ask the universe, they'll generally give you things and, you know, you get these little hints of, hey, you need to slow down. I'm like, no, I'm good, but still asking for more time. And the third thing that I really struggled with in my life was being able to graciously receive. One thing that I've learned with people who struggle with not being enough is the inability to graciously receive. You can give, but you don't receive. You just, you're okay. You're good. No, I'm good. That's fine. And so when I was diagnosed with cancer, I was flat out. I was done. I was in chemo. I was sick. I was out of a job. I wasn't working. Couldn't do anything. I had nothing but time. So I was gifted. I I was given this, this gift of time. And I remember thinking, I didn't know how much time, but that's all I had was time. I sat 24 hours a day thinking, okay, I've never sat here for so long. So (laughs) I was able to connect with people, journal, find myself, uh, talk to people that I haven't do things special for people that I have, you know, I haven't connected with in a long time. So I was given the gift of time. The other thing that I learned was um, I had a group of friends that said to me, 
we're going to do an event for you. We want to raise some money because I was, well, I wanted to do some alternative care to offset my chemo. And so this integrative medicine, it was just so expensive. And so I was out of work. I had no benefits. Um, so they said, we're going to run an event. It's going to call, it's going to be called a night with Diane. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm not sure how many people are going to show up. Cause I think I might have maybe 10 friends. I don't know. Maybe my kids' <laughs> friends can come. I don't know. Um, and in my head going again, that whisper saying you're, you're not enough for people to care enough, like maybe the close ones, but really. And I remember the day that I showed up and there was this huge hall and it was filled with well over 200 people, probably more coming and going all night. And they raised well over $10,000 for me um, for uh, my alternative treatment. So I am forever grateful to every single one of those people. People were showing up that I hadn't seen for 30 years. Um, People were giving me checks saying we want to pay for your one treatment at the natural path we because it was 375 dollars a hit and it's terrible and uh i was humbled and i remember that moment where i thought um and i'd say to them why are you doing this i don't understand why why is this happening and they said because of everything you have done for us be it that you just showed up to work smiling and positive and you're always telling us things and i remember thinking to myself and i had goosebumps and i was like I, I think I'm enough. <laughs> I, I've done enough. And so people were like, yeah, it's your turn. And that was the moment that I learned how to graciously receive. And those three combined my gift of time, learning how to graciously receive and truly recognizing that I am enough, uh, was a true, true gift. And it saved me because it's, I am where I am today. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. So different, different direction, but I've got to ask, do you, which had more bearing on your recovery, the naturopathic or the conventional, or was it both? Or was it all in your mind? I mean, it was, so it your I, I'm going to tell you in, in my personal opinion, I'm mm-hmm. here today, I believe because of my integrative medicine, the, the, that mm-hmm. I had intense vitamin C treatments, mm-hmm. uh, intravenously, I had, uh, hypothermia, it was all to offset. And again, it kind of, they felt that we need, I needed, it was aggressive. I needed to have that chemo, but we were able to kind of use that chemo to, to, you know, to do its thing. Mm-hmm. And again, I continued on well into a couple of years afterwards uh, to get rid of some of the toxins. Cause we all know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, mm-hmm. right. There's been people wow. that have cured themselves. I was just, I was still too afraid to not, I, I, it was a, it was a, it was a scary time, but yes, absolutely. Uh, this, Yeah. Yeah, integrative medicine is wholeheartedly, I believe. And mindset. Mindset. It was when mindset, I decided I'm not dying. Dying's not an option. Uh, it's just I have things to do. I have people to oh, see. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So yeah. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go on a different tack now. I've had an interesting life. Not the health scares you've had, but all sorts of other interesting things. And my my belief or philosophy is as one overcomes adversity and you have a choice you either overcome it and live with it deal with it or you fold up and die essentially metaphorically perhaps but as you overcome one hurdle and and bad thing it makes it easier to overcome the next one even if that might be totally totally different and then the next one and and that's helped me in some pretty nasty situations and i'm going to throw something else in people say you don't seem at all worried about the virus you don't wear a mask you don't 
what do they call it, social distance. I said, I hug everybody I can. I shake hands. I go to a church with 300 people. When you've had AK-47s in your face, you know, you're not going to get too scared about a virus. Now, this is not my story. I'm just using that as an example. No, but am I, am I on the right track that, that if you've had a life that exposes you to a lot of steps that most people would find devastating and you survive, that it just strengthens you all around? And I'm, I'm, I think you've found the same thing with everything you've gone through. Yeah, you, you couldn't be more dead on. It, it, it truly is. And that's not to, and like you said, this, this whole two years has been very scary for so many people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and they're like, oh, my God, you, you, you need to be afraid. And, and, and you, you had cancer. And, you're, and I'm like, yeah, I had stage four cancer. So yeah. very little scares me after that. Like, not, not to undermine what's happening, not to say that it's not happening, not to say that people aren't afraid. Um, but yeah, you're, you're very different. You, you don't see things the way perhaps somebody else does. And again, not to undermine how they feel. Uh, but I, I fear for me is very different now. Mm -hmm. And, and, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm stronger than I, I, I mean, I've had my share of trauma and, and, you know, tragedies in my life that I thought strengthened me, but I'll tell you this one. This one was like, mm, yeah, you know, um, so, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it, like you said, and, and everybody has their different degrees of their cool. like, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. no. And like you said, in your case, there's, you know, there's a lot more scarier things than, I don't know, whatever. So it, it truly, as much as I respect, like everybody will say, oh gosh, I didn't go what, I, what you went through, but no, but if you are fearing, it's fear, it's mm-hmm. governing your way of thinking, it's, it's creating your belief system. It, it's telling you, you can't do this or, you know, so it, it definitely, if you can develop a relationship with your bully, which I always say fear is your bully chirping in your ear, tapping into all those weak spots that you have from your past things that have happened to you, uh, your weaknesses, um, you know, your bully knows those weaknesses, those hot spots, and will chirp in your ear and convince you that you're you're right. And and I, at one point, for some small time, I was like, I, I, cause statistically, stage four. This is how long you have. And right. I remember saying to myself, or I said to my surgeon and my oncologist, "Don't give me the prognosis. You can give me the diagnosis." but you're not telling me that I'll, I'll decide what my prognosis is. And I told my bully to shut up uh, because fear was like, mm. and so when you develop that, you, you understand that you can, you can become friends with your bully and help your bully to say, you know, if you want to come along, come along, but you can't speak, you need to keep quiet. And so you, you develop this new kind of relationship and then you take charge and like I said, these experiences that have happened, they strengthen you if, Absolutely. if, if you can take it and learn yep. from it. And learn from it. So, uh, so, sorry, Kathleen, carry on. Well, I was just going to say, because we're talking about fear and for the last couple of years, there's many of us out there that always um, are on the edge of our seat. We're kind of always bracing for that next something to fall. Um, so is, is talking about fear, how would you, what tips would you have for somebody to try to, to, to be able to cope with it, or maybe some sort of a different dialogue in the mind that tries to 
put it into perspective and to cope with it. What are some of those strategies or tips that you can impart to help somebody if they're just consumed by fear day in, day out? And thank you for that. And, and that's typically what I'm, I'm doing now. I have, I have students that I work with. Uh, again, I teach the medical lab program, but aside from that, I see, so I see them coming in. They're like, Oh, I want to get into the field. And I, and, you know, and I, and I want to work and help. And, but they, they're struggling so many with uh, mental health issues and depression and anxiety. And um, I'm doing a lot of coaching just in the class, Never mind teaching the, the lab program, but mm-hmm. just literally going, okay, you got this. Who's chirping in your ear? And they're like, well, I'm hearing this and I'm hearing that and you can't do this. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, the strategy that I found that was super helpful is not, we get it, fear, scary. And when, when you're scared, you're paralyzed. But the moment that you step out and remember, again, this is kind of where you start becoming a little more spiritual and kind of saying, okay, there's your, there's higher powers above. We know there is, this isn't it. There's got to be more that's controlling what's going on in our life. The moment that you're able to step out of your physical self, and I always say this to my clients and people that are struggling, step out for one moment and look down, look down at the physical, what's going on. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is what's happening. And so we kind of strategically look at, What's your hotspot? Where, where, what's the message that you're getting? Because let's face it, as you know, I talk about my, the whiteboard of life and, and the messages that we carry with us on this list, you know, uh, this whiteboard and, you know, look at those messages. What are they? And it's like, well, yeah, like I'm not enough. And, and I, I never could succeed. I never could do this. Or my, my parents said I'm stupid or I don't know, whatever this happened in my life. And essentially, that's what fear is tapping into. So if you can associate not, again, we create stories. And and again, with everything that's gone on this two years, I've seen some people that are paralyzed with fear over what's happening right now. You're going to die. You can't do this. You have to stay. You have to social distance. And people are like, oh, my gosh. And so it taps into something that has come from the past, something that you have gone through, because why does it trigger one person and it doesn't trigger another? Why? Mm -hmm. Because I can't associate with it. So if you have something that's happened in your life, that's where you need to begin. So forget the fear right now. Let's look at messages that you have on your board. Let's look at what governs your way of thinking. Uh, Now all of a sudden we're like, okay, so this is where that fear is coming from. And so that's kind of how we, we, you know, tackle it a little bit at a time and, and taking control, Mm. telling your bully, you, you can't, you can't talk to me this way. I'm not going to allow it setting boundaries. Right. And you just mentioned the whiteboard of life. Can you just go into that a little bit more? Because for those that are just listening and, and watching this video may not understand what you mean by that. Yeah. So that's kind of where this all started several, several years ago. I kind of created this like analogy and it's not new. It's, it's not, I mean, the, the whiteboard, perhaps maybe it's, you know, something original, but essentially what it means is, you know, we, I, I've talked to people saying how we all come into this world, um, with a, a clean slate, so to speak, we've got this kind of, uh, you know, this whiteboard that we carry around with us. And it, it, we come into this world, we, we don't have any judgments, we don't, you know, babies come out, they're like, Oh, look at me, this is great, feed me, I'm good. And there's no judging, there's no uh, self judgment, there's none of this. 
that gets placed on people as they kind of start growing up and, mm-hmm. and getting into their, you know, the first things that they start hearing are essentially from their caregiver, which is no, that's the first word they hear is no, no, you can't no. And now limitations are put on us. And it's ideally, again, they say, of course, I'm going to say no, I want to keep my child safe. Well, yes, you do. But then that no kind of goes, no, you can't have that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't be, you know, they want to be a superhero when they're four. I'm like, no, you honey, you can't be a superhero. It's, it's not a thing. Well, maybe that superhero just means I want to grow up helping people, but they're told no from the beginning. So they're in their head, they're like, okay, that's, that's not an option. So we, we go through life carrying these kind of messages that are given for different reasons. And then of course, maybe something happens to us and that's a message. So in my case, I share my story about, again, without getting into it too much, but being raised in a very strict European home and, and my parents fought hard to, you know, they left the country and came here, couldn't speak English, didn't have money. And so they carried a lot of their stuff and wanted to protect me. But by doing so, they said, you know, uh, you're never going to be anything if you don't have money. That was, you know, my dad wanted me to just be somebody, but that was his message. And in my head, I translated that as I'm not. So that means I'm nobody now because I don't have money. We didn't have money. And so I wasn't like the others. So now I've created this own message on mm-hmm. my board saying, I'm not like the other people. I'm, I'm different. My dad always said to me, don't trust anybody other. Not because he, you know, it's just because he was hurt and people scammed him and you know whatever and and so that was his reality not mine but he placed it on me and when you're little that's what you believe so I didn't trust anybody people would talk to me and be like what do you want what's going on and so you start developing these kind of behaviors and these 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 beliefs and that kind of translated into my teenage years and then of course I didn't believe I was enough and I didn't do well in school and I didn't think I was going to succeed and and just this self-fulfilling prophecy. And so ideally what I talk to people about is the very first thing you should do is really look at the messages that have been placed on your board and how much of that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. I remember my mom saying to me all the time, don't be, you know, don't get excited. Don't, don't, because they're very superstitious. Don't get excited. Something bad will happen. And I remember going, oh my God, what? What is going to happen? And, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, when somebody says to you, there's a boogeyman in your closet when you're little, you just believe yeah. it. No, I'm yeah. not checking. Cause I don't know. <laughs> and that was me. I was like, I, I'm not testing it. So I would literally, as you hear my talks, I, I'd say, you know, I, I go through my adult life going, Oh, I'm not being people be like, aren't you excited? And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I'm like, chill. And they'd be excited. I'm like, you're a little too excited. You need to back off. Cause I don't need anything happening around me. And I was literally believing that if I were to be excited, something bad would happen. And that's because my mom was so disappointed in her lifetime. And so she wanted to protect me. Right, right. We're running short of time. So I know that Kathleen wanted to talk to you about something. or You've got a wellness getaway, Kathleen mentioned to me, coming up. Uh, well, not coming up. I wish I did. So yes, right. uh, prior, prior to COVID and before travel got shut down, we were just about to launch. We were doing some uh, women's retreats uh, and we were doing a lot of work with corporate uh, companies and taking them away to sunny destinations. And we kind of incorporated humanitarian work. And uh, so we kind of blossomed from there and, and offer these retreats to women, uh, teens, um, that basically cater to the mind, body, and soul. So we do a lot of yoga and meditation and self-reflection, humanitarian work, and we get to be out on a beach and uh, reflect. So Sounds that is good. my goal 
again uh, once travel is back up and running. Back and, up. Yeah, get that. And I, I know we're running out of time, but I have a burning question that I ask all successful people with good stories. So I got to ask you as well. If you were to, with all your experience of different people, your own adversity, your own journey, all the people that you've coached, if you, if I was to say to you, is there one key characteristic, habit, mindset, something key that success, that separates the successful and happy and contented, and I don't just mean money, I mean balanced from those who are struggling through fear or whatever, is is there some essential difference that you could pinpoint? I honestly, Peter, I, I if I wish I could answer it in one sentence. I, I would genuinely say it's it's taking control of your own mind. And I know it seems kind of broad, but mm -hmm. once again, establish that relationship. Know who it is that's what 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 or who is chirping in your ear, and take control of that. Um, and and that begins with internal messages. Where do they come from? Clear those messages. Rewrite your messages. And uh, the moment you're able to take control of of you, truly you, uh, then you're you're gonna. There's nothing gonna that's gonna stop you. Not even stage four cancer. So yeah, well done. No, I I agree. No, very good. Excellent. Kathleen, back to you. Well, Diane, how do people contact you? Uh, so I do have I have two websites, but the one that that can be reached uh, is the uh, www.dianegeese.com. Okay. Uh, that's where it kind of tells a little bit about my story. It's, it's always being revamped, uh, but that is probably the best way. And uh, anybody that's interested in looking at the, uh, you know, retreats, that is EW Getaways. Uh, but again, it, you can be linked from dianegeese.com okay. to EW. There's a, there's a link there too. So. And mm -hmm. I got to say, I've been there. I've been on that website, and it's it's well worth visiting for our audience. Oh, thank well you. Well worth. And for those who are listening on an audio podcast, the link to that will be in the description as well. So that's an easy way to go. Back to Kathleen to round it off. I tell you, Diane, I wish we had a lot more time. In fact, I oh. would love for you to come back because I know there is so much more for you to tell us and to share. Um, and maybe I, when my uh, when my book is completed, I will I will uh, come back and share absolutely. that. You would yeah. be most welcome. And in Thank the meantime, though, for anybody out there listening, please um, go to Diane's website and get a hold of her because, my goodness, I, I think you are able to help so many people, Diane. So mm -hmm. Thank you Thanks. again for thank being on the so, show so thank, and thank you, you all again for uh tuning into our show we so appreciate you and uh before i let you go though i have a little plug for our very own peter wright uh, ah. he's written a book and it's also a wonderful book i've read it cover to cover it is uh just the stuff that movies are made from really and the book peter why don't you hold it up if you've got a copy in front of you i have a five copy steps, right there five steps to thriving on adversity i encourage everyone oh. to uh get a hold uh, peter how do the people get a hold of your book amazon didn't like it for some strange reason so you can get hold of it by going to my website peterwrightsblog.com on the front page you can order it and i will send it to you and if you order it from this show i will personally autograph it for you so there you go excellent thanks thanks for that Kathleen. <laughs> thank you once again and until next time take care bye-bye everyone goodbye